This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi guys, and welcome back to Temporary Admission. Last week, we chatted with one of Britain's best-known art collectors, Frank Cohen, and I mentioned that this week we'd be chatting with a private members club. Well, many of you have probably heard of Soho House, but did you know that Soho House now have an art collection so big that many now regard it as one of the largest collections of artworks by living artists in the world? Not to mention that one of their newest houses, Brighton Beach House, now has on display one of the largest collections of LGBT plus art anywhere in the UK. So, this week, we're joined by a good friend of mine, Sarah Terzi, Senior Art Collections Manager at Soho House, to find out a little bit more. Sarah, welcome to Temporary Mission. It is my absolute pleasure to join you. I'm glad. Well, look, Sarah, before we go into chatting a little bit more about Soho House's collection specifically, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and how you got to where you are today, managing one of the biggest collections of living artists there is in the world? Of course. So I am the senior art collections manager for Soho House. Um, So that means that I am the custodian of the art collection of Soho House. And it's quite an unusual one because it has over 6,000 artworks. And so it's one of the largest collection of of its kind. And it's split across all the houses uh, of Soho House. For the people that don't know what Soho House is, it's a private members club that um, is open to members of the creative community around the world. Um, This is my current position, but just backtracking a little bit, um, I've always been interested in art. I've always worked in art. Um, Funny enough, contemporary art wasn't necessarily my first love. Um, I'm Italian and I studied in Italy and a bit maybe stereotypically, um, you know, I love Renaissance and the 16th Venetian school and anything that sort of, let's say, was a bit older than contemporary. And then um, I, my first job was at the amazing Peggy Guggenheim collection in Venice. And so I started to look at um, modern art so um, the, the time passed and then I approached contemporary art uh, when I moved to London around 10 years ago and I just love working with living artists you know like just going to the studio and talking to them about what they were doing and so it feels that the position I'm in now it's, it's such a privileged one because with Soho House we look at art and talk to artists from all over the world. I think maybe that's what's unique about the Soho House kind of art collections model because you are one of the biggest, well, you are probably actually the biggest members club internationally. But before we touch on that, I I hadn't realised that you'd worked at Peggy Guggenheim Museum. I I was there earlier this year and it's definitely one of my favourites. And for anyone in Venice, I would recommend them going to see the, the museum because it is just simply stunning, isn't it? It's such a special one. It's so unusual. I think if you go 
if you go now to the Peggy Guggenheim, you'll see a masterpiece for each one of the major player of the 20th century art. And so really she had the most amazing eye. And it's a great uh, place to start your career. They have a brilliant internship program and um, they have people from all over the world come there and work there. And, you know, I'm still in touch with people that I worked with over 10 years ago now that then have gone on in the art world and done amazing things uh, scattered, yeah, from New York to Mumbai to, yeah, London. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about how So House came to collect so many works and a little bit more about the collection as well? Because I don't know about many of our listeners, but I certainly wasn't aware that Soho House had such a huge collection of artworks. Of course. Um, so Soho House um, has built this collection throughout the years. Um, this was a brainchild of an artist, actually, of Johnny Yeo, that started the collection around 20 years ago. And uh, we've been carrying on the legacy ever since. Uh, it has a different creation throughout the time. Um, but there has always been a focus on contemporary artists. And the acquisition process is constant because we keep acquiring works every time that we open a new house. So that means that if we have a new project, we look at the contemporary art scene of the country in which we're going to open the house. I think that's what's really nice, though, because I'm not sure many people would initially think that the artwork that they're looking at within each house is, you know, by artists that are local to each house. And I think once you start to realise that, it actually makes viewing the artworks in each house even more special because they're obviously way more meaningful in each house and the variety that you get of artworks, you know, across the globe is huge. I mean, the art you're going to see in one of the houses in London, for example, is likely to be extremely different to the art that you're viewing in the houses in, you know, Malibu Beach House. But it can't be that easy finding those artists in each of those new areas because it feels like Soho House is expanding so rapidly that, you know, you've got houses all over the globe now, like I mentioned. How do you go about, you know, finding those artists and figuring out which art you're going to put in each house? What's that process like? The first step is definitely research. We do tons of research um, to familiarize ourselves with the scene. And then we talk to people that run museums, that run galleries. We talk to artists. We message people on Instagram. Um, we, we look at all sorts. And I think um, you know it's become such an ingrained practice for us to look at the creative community first so that all our collection have a starting point in what is the best born of a community and we also find that um, it's crucial to have representation that starts from emerging artists as well as museum level artists that aims to be um, to present art from any kind of artist that so you have a collection that is gender neutral that it's inclusive that is diverse and so this is the starting point and then we proceed with the acquisitions and we go and do studio visits and we go and do side visits. And then slowly but surely we, we build up a collection that then we put on display in the house. Once the research is done, how do you go about actually acquiring the works? The way that we acquire art is through a process of exchange. So the premise is that we exchange the, um, an artwork 
for a true value for the membership and credit that the artist can spend in the house. And in this way, you know, we get an amazing artwork and they get to enjoy the houses and be part of that community and, you know, say, uh, just beneath their work and uh, meet up with other artists and um, hopefully, you know, like have a very good time at the houses too. And is that how many houses acquire their works as well? It's quite a cool idea. Actually, like, uh, I think the oldest example that I can think of is that of uh, La Colombe d'Or, which is um, an hotel in uh, St. Paul de Vence in France that used to do that with artists such as Picasso and Calder. And so if you go now, you see these amazing artworks in there. And that was something that was happening at the beginning of the last century. But I think especially in the UK, um, where you have members club, that are not just staying there, sort of the more traditional upper class, but also your members club for the creative community. There's been such an interest in building a collection that actually involves uh, the members of these clubs. Um, and it's such a great way, you know, to, to build a living collection. Yeah, I think that that's actually in itself really interesting, worth chatting a bit about, because the fact that the collection is built up by, you know, works from artists that are you know still with us today i think is maybe a little bit unusual and also gives you know members the chance to purchase artworks or meet the artists for themselves within the house and really kind of make sure that the the community within or around that that goes to each of the houses can be as immersed in the artworks on the wall as possible from viewing them to meeting the artists and and so on i think i think that's quite cool it very much is. And I think, you know, a house wouldn't feel complete without the art collection. And it's not, I'm not just saying, you know, like from, from the point of view, from an internal point of view, from what the company does, but also for the members themselves. Um, because it's become such a, such a normal thing for a member to come in in a new house and like look at the art and they are very curious they always ask us who is this artist where can i get this artist um we create art maps so that when the members come in the in the house they can actually you know have a proper tour around we do artist talks we do events where we actually talk about the collection so that's why i was talking about a sort of living one Uh, because it's not just something on the wall uh, that will be there for the next 20 years and no one talks about it. And, you know, and it's interesting because then artists are the other artists' biggest supporter in a lot of cases. And I think we find so, especially with women artists, I've got to say, they're really generous. And it's it's quite, I know it sounds silly, but like um, it's actually quite easy to build up this network. And it... It's the same as when we when we start even digitally and you, and you have one tab open and all of a sudden you have 50 tabs open and your computer is crashing. <laughs> you don't know what, what you're looking at anymore, but like um, you, you can create this, these amazing lists and like um, then, you know, go and talk to the people on this amazing list quite easily. It just requires a bit of extra work. And how does it work with, you know, having so many artworks in rotation and constantly opening new houses. What is it like managing that collection logistically? It it is quite an unusual collection, being a private collection, in the fact that the art is on display. So we don't keep things in storage. We buy specifically for a house, um, even if 
our acquisition process is constant so that when we acquire the art, then we put it on the wall and and it's secured on the wall. So you can't just run off with it. But then it's ultimately the art is there for the members to enjoy so that you can come in and you can be welcomed by Lynette Yadon Boachi at 180th Strand in London, or you can dance by M. Green and Draxet in Copenhagen. Um, it, we find it so important that the art is there and is visible and is present. Um, and especially when you think that, uh, you know, m- more often than not, when a private collector buys a piece of art, then the artist doesn't get to see that piece maybe ever again. Um, so we have photo lists, we check on things, we make sure that everything is fine. But yeah, we, we want the art to be there uh, and to be seen. And talking about the artwork being out on display and being there to be seen, if you had to pick one of the works that Soho House owns and is on display, which artwork would be your favourite? Um, that is probably the most difficult question you could ask um, <laughs> because it's like choosing your favourite child. But I think what I can say is... I'll, I'll tell you about my latest favorite child, my latest obsession, which is our work by Christian Tuborg. Um, it welcomes member in the Soho House in, in Copenhagen. And I came across Christian's work uh, last year, and he has a very interesting practice. He has a very, he creates these very tactile works, and he starts from printed fabrics and these industrially treated materials, and then he cuts them up and then he assembles them again in these very atypical um, shapes and he stretches them over a canvas on which he also paints over. It's, it's like a, the purest form of definition of mixed media work. And we got this work uh, in these shades of blue and you can see through some of it, uh, you can see literally like the structure of, of the structure. And then at the bottom right hand corner, you can actually see these uh, painted figures that are embracing. And I was talking with Christian about, about the work because it really caught my eye. And he was telling me that then um, it was inspired by Love and Pain uh, by Edvard Munch, which is a famous painting where you have this woman sort of leaning over a man uh, with this dark red hair flowing over her and they are embracing and they're kissing. And it was then, you know, afterwards it was known as like the vampire's kiss, but it started originally as a, you know, a very tender moment. And in the painting, in the work that we have, uh, it, you actually have a representation of the artist and his wife embracing. And, you know, when I saw the work, I, I saw it first digitally, like I saw it on my screen and it's even my screen saver now is it's as if it was my wedding gown. I was like, this is the one. This is the one I want about the reception. And then I got to sight and I was unwrapping it and it felt like Christmas, you know. And, and then you get to see the art in the flesh and you see all the texture paint. You see the metallic reflection. You see how the light comes through the paint. It, it's just beautiful. It's, it's honestly amazing. No, it sounds it. I know when you see an artwork that you really love it, quite exciting especially if it's one that you've been able to to buy yourself and to actually open it up and put it up on your walls and everything it is such a great feeling so I I definitely can relate to that but are you able to tell us about any kind of new projects that you've had going on or any houses that you've opened maybe more recently and and what's gone on there yes so we work with artists both acquiring existing pieces but as well creating special commissions 
and it's really part of the way that we approach each individual project. Um, you know, when we when we look at a new house, the first thing is we sit down with designers and the architects and we look at, at the existing walls and we're like, well, okay, what are our walls? What can we do here? But we then also uh, go above and beyond that, say, and look at how we can transform the space um, often with, with special commissions. Just recently, we opened a, a new space in Balham and we have done our first painted ceiling. Oh, that's really cool. It's very different to, you know, the usual works on a wall kind of vibe. Yeah, it's it's a first for Soho House. And, you know, logistically, it's never an easy one um, to approach like a large scale commission, but it's so very rewarding. And uh, the the ceiling in Balam has this sort of system of like, um, like a checkboard uh, of panels. And we talked to a South London based artist, Miranda Forrester, um that does amazing work and we said you know we sat down and we're like listen we got this crazy idea um could you possibly paint for us 32 panels and then we're gonna put them on the wall um so you know it was quite uh quite unusual uh, but so very exciting to see then her coming back uh with her ideas and like think about the project as a whole and then getting the panels to her getting the panels back and then seeing them going up on the ceiling um it, it was just fantastic i think i've seen that actually is it the dark green installation yes so the frame of the around the panels is dark green and miranda's practice um is very linear so the background of the panels is a cream color and then you see these figures and then these leaves and then these familiar objects that creep through it uh, and you know it's one of those things when you think of a ceiling then you have to think about for example the point of view on which you're going to look at the ceiling the orientation of the artwork it's I think for for us both you know for us and Miranda you're like approaching the work uh, in a new way even if you're not a member you can see it as you walk by because you because you have these uh, glass windows across all the side of, of the building so that you'll be able to to see the ceiling given that way. Well, there you go, a way for everyone to see an artwork within Soho House, even without being a member. But I know we touched on it at the start, and I think it's definitely worth speaking about a little bit more, and that's Brighton Beach House as well, because for me, I think I was really impressed to see that actually, you know, it now has got the biggest collection of LGBT plus art on display in the UK and I think obviously that's got such a connotation with Brighton and Brighton's own associations with LGBT plus art but also the curator that um, worked on that with you came on our podcast earlier uh, this year Gemma Rolls Bentley. Are you able to tell us more about that specifically because I think that's a great milestone for both Soho House and for art collections more broadly. Well, Brighton House has been one that's been long time in the making. I think everyone has been waiting for it, us included. And the head of my department, the global art director for Soho House, the brilliant Kate Bryan, had known Gemma for a long time and known her as an amazing advocate for representation of artists from the LGBTQ plus community. So she had the insightful idea of engaging her to create the specific collection for Brighton. It's particularly in a space like Brighton, there has traditionally been such a beacon for uh, the queer community. And um, she she's amazing. She's, she's like volcanic energy and went and approached all these incredible artists. And 
doing so, though, she, she was also very mindful of the ethos on which we, have, we build the collection and you have legends like Catherine Opie and Isaac Julian. And then you have local artists like um, they are no less than, than, you know, like than the bigger names, but they're still very much part of that, of that community. And like for them to be alongside these like museum level artists is as exciting as it is for us. And then and for, even for museum artists themselves. And um, yeah, it feels very, very special. And it's another one that I really would encourage people um, to look up online. Um, there is, you can find a lot of images and information uh, on, on our page and on the website. And Gemma is doing a lot of uh, talks and events. Uh, so that, yeah, it's, it's definitely another one to, to check out. And also because Brighton is such a fantastic place to go to as well. If people that are listening to the podcast haven't been to already, it is such a great location for Soho House. So definitely one to check out. But one thing we haven't touched on, and I think people hopefully would be interested to know a little bit more about, is how they can kind of recreate or find artworks that are in Soho House and, and buy them for themselves. I know obviously Soho Home has been such a success because people have wanted to make their houses look like Soho Home or Soho House, I should say. But if they wanted to actually start buying artworks that are on display in Soho House for themselves or even find similar artists, how can they go about doing that? I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm very glad you asked me that because um, I think sometimes there is this idea of art as being um, something very unapproachable, but I think especially if, if lockdown has taught us anything is that, you know, like you shouldn't be afraid of like just even go on Instagram or on social media and just look for artists and just ask. And, and engage with the artists that are living people that are out there um, they're creating art all the time and I think as long as you're curious and open-minded you can find so so much. Are there any artists that you think we should be keeping our eyes out for or that you particularly recommend that we go and have a look at? It's, it's difficult to narrow it down as, as you can imagine and because yeah you know we look at art all the time but I would very happily recommend a few names I'd say uh, Romina Basso is, is the first one I would say. I came across her work working on Rome. Um, she's an Italian painter um, that works in, in figuration and her paintings are all inspired by aesthetic of um, the 50s and she takes the images of these beautiful and impossible women, you know, like the perfect housewives, uh, the woman that does all the ironing and the cooking for the husband and takes this sort of um, iconography and then paints it in very unusual and dystopian way. And she kind of intensifies the uh, perfect aspect to the point that it becomes nearly grotesque. And, you know, like the lipstick is now not perfectly applied, it goes all over the face and the eyes are painted over and it becomes like a mask and it sort of subverts this idea of like femininity and you know, the ideal woman. So I found her work really brilliant, unsettling, but very ironic at the same time. I'd say if we go across uh, to America, I would definitely keep an eye on uh, Elliot Jerome Brown Jr., He's um, a queer Black American artist and a photographer. I came across his work. Uh, we, we built a collection of um, emer- on the emerging art scene in New York. And um, I just love his work. He, he uses photography in quite an unusual way. He wants to sort of 
change the preconceived notion of, of maleness and blackness. And he does so by using sort of this domestic interior shot where you feel like you are tiptoeing into a very private moment, but you're also feeling very lucky that you got permission to do so. And they're like such intimate portraits of both people and objects. And it's he defines the work as a documented abstraction of daily life, which for me is like the perfect definition. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's the best way to say. And uh, if I can add one more, I would say Bazira Khan. She's another um, New York-based artist. She was born in Texas from um, an immigrant Afghani Indian family. And her work is really about her experience as a Muslim American artist. And she uses fashion, she uses photography, she uses culture, she uses textile, and she talks about this concept in general and about the concept of Muslim femininity. And, you know, I saw her works a few years ago. Um, she took over this idea of, like, customization and took this pair of Nikes. And, you know, like, you can customize sneakers, like the Nike Air Force Ones, but you can't put the word Muslim on it because it's not allowed uh, into sort of the the rules of like customization for Nike and she took it over and like did her own customization and took this sort of uh, popular culture object and did it in a way that it would reflect her own experience and you know like it is such a clever way to address this and in a way that it's very approachable and that you know people would get and see what she's aiming at Um, but without making it, you know, without taking the strength of, of that. And um, similarly, you know, in, in the UK, you have Sarah Maple, which is also an artist that addresses this kind of subject matter. Uh, she was born from a um, Kenyan Muslim mother and a British father, and she just uses irony to address this, um, you know, quite serious subjects, but just you see the work and you chuckle and then you stop and think. And stop me because I could go on for another hour. <laughs> Don't worry. I think that's been really useful. I think I'm also going to go have a look at a few of the artists that you just mentioned and see if there's anything that I can get my hands on. But look, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us today. It's been really interesting to find out more about the art collection within Soho House. And hopefully a few of our listeners that are members can go and have a, a look at the artworks themselves at their, their local house near them and for those that aren't, they also know how to source the, the artists just like you do so they can start kind of to build up their own collection for themselves. But yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you so much. No problem. Well, that should just about conclude us for the latest episode of Temporary Admission. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit like, subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference and we really do appreciate it. And make sure to tune in next week where we'll be chatting with Modern Heart Oxford to find out a little bit more about their latest Marina Abramovich exhibition. Until then, stay safe. Speak soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.